Tonight's message is called, Are You a Faithful Farmer for God's Beacon? And for those of you who were expecting a poem, guess what? You have one. I'm not going to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And for those of you who were, surprise. This is called A Faithful Farmer. There once was a farmer who so loved the Lord that he prayed and he prayed for his just reward. First week after week, then year after year, he patiently watched for his crops to appear. He sang praises to God and he studied God's word. Still there were no crops and his prayers gone unheard. He looked up at God and said, what should I do? I've studied and read and sang praises to you. God spoke the answer to the question he asked. What have you done to accomplish this task? The farmer replied, Lord, I trusted in you. I believe for my faith you'd give me my due. Then God spoke and gave revelation. You have to create for me to bless your creation. I provided your fields and your seed to sow. You need to plow and to plant if you want crops to grow. It's true you've been faithful in worship and praise, but faith without works is like years without days. When you were idle and have no labor to show, the harvest received reflects what you sow. You're defined as a farmer by the work of your hand, by sowing the seed and working the land. People will know you're a farmer. They won't have to guess. When the fruit of your labor is what I can bless. Receiving God's answer, he sowed his field. As he worked for the Lord, his fruit was revealed. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Is your life as a Christian up for dispute? If we wait on God to do everything, why does He need us? What do we bring? Prepare for God's work with study and praise. Then walk in His love and we'll truly amaze. When we accept Jesus and work for the Lord, an eternity in heaven will be our reward. Amen. You, you know, there's a, a parallel to that poem. It's called The Faithful Poet. And that was me. You know, I, I wasn't singing praises to God. I was just kind of being a Christian, cruising along. But I was a Christian on Sunday, a Christian part of the time. And I, I kept promising God, I'm going to write for you, Lord. I mean, you give me this talent. But when I truly found the Lord when I came to this church, and he has put a spark in me to honor Him. And He's the one that writes these poems, not me. Amen. Amen. Now, I've got a question for all of you out there. I want to see some hands on this one, okay? How many of you out there are Christians? Okay, there we go. Yeah, I thought I'd see some hands there. Okay. How many of your family, uh, we, we don't want to see any hands on this, okay? But I want you tonight, individually, to think about the questions I'm asking. Because everybody here is like a fingerprint for the Lord. Everybody here is a different part of the body. And everybody here has different situations that pulls and tugs at their lives. Okay? So I want, I want you to answer this to yourself. How many of your family, friends, and coworkers know you're Christian? And ask yourself, how do they know you're Christian? Okay? Um, you know, Pastor Woody on Sunday was an incredible message. He was talking about Buddhism and Hinduism, the lack of love in those religions. But I tell you what, we've got a problem right here in America. You know what it's called? It's called Americanism. And the problem is, they were so busy being Americans 
and we're so busy filling our life up with stuff and getting things done and looking at our watch and wondering how we're going to pay this and do that and what we're going to get that we forget that we're Christians. Well, tonight, I want to ask you something. Uh, well, first of all, I put a little verse of a poem in here. It's called Breaking Ground. And the verse said, you may have sat in church for years. You saw him every Sunday. But where was he in your life when it came to Monday? We need to all ask ourselves that. You know, we're just practicing here. That's what this is for, is for practice. We're really doing his work when we're out there. Now, the first scripture that I ever really learned from my mom was the golden rule. I remember a little kid, you know, and the golden rule, Galatians 5.14 for the end. And tonight, I'm going to bless all of you. I have written down all the scriptures up here. And because I have a tendency to run long, I've, I've kind of studied under the Pastor Eric Stevens <laughs> message delivery program. Uh, that I'm going to read the scriptures. For Galatians 5.14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And so, I tell you what, is that just any neighbor? Is that is that our, our friends? Is that the ones that are easy to love? How about Luke 6, 27-31? Love for your enemies. Oh, there's one. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the, all, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. Okay? I mean, this love thing is what it's all about. That's who Jesus Christ, that's who God is. His love. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, is, pardon me, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. There's some things that we need to think about. But tonight, I'm going to focus on Colossians 3.12-14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Okay, well... You know, when we're out there every single day and we aren't maybe reading the Word quite as often as we should or, or the things seem to catch up to us. The enemy knew I was speaking tonight. He, he delivered a gift to me around every corner. He said, okay, what are you speaking on? Well, I'm going to push every single one of those buttons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you actually believe what you're saying and feeling. Well, what I decided to do is I'm going to look at some of these words, compassion. I looked up the dictionary. It's Sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Compassion is a human emotion prompted by the pain of others. More vigorous than empathy, 
The feeling commonly gives rise to an active desire to alleviate another suffering. Okay? How many of us take the time to be compassionate? It doesn't really take a lot of time, but what it takes, it takes an awareness. We have to be aware of who's around us. We can't be compassionate if we're so busy being Americans that we don't have time. We have to see that. Psalm 116.5 says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He's full of compassion for us. Okay? And what does the Word tell us to be like? Who, who's, that, who's that guy? I heard it out there somewhere. Come on. But now wait. I'm, I'm also the pastorary school of audience participation. So um, speak up at any time. Amen. Who was that guy? Jesus. There we go. Come on. Okay. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Was Jesus compassionate? Yes. Yes. How many times in our life are we just rolling along and we're walking past people and we're, we're just being ourselves? I want every single one of you to think about every one of these emotions I'm talking about tonight. I want you to identify the times in your lives when you are not paying attention to doing God's work. And that is how we all become truly fruitful for the Lord. Is we put on these clothes. Let's, let's move on to the next one here. Kindness. Kindness. Let's see, what does it say about kindness? The quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. A kind act. Kindness is the act or the state of being kind and marked by charitable behavior, marked by mild disposition, pleasantness, tenderness, and concern for others. Okay? Now that's a mouthful. Um, gee whiz. How many of us are really charitable? I mean, really charitable. How many of us are doing things that don't benefit us. How many of us are doing the things that nobody sees? You know, God, it's, it's not really fruit unless we do it from the heart. Unless kindness comes from where we live. It doesn't matter what we do. We can't get there by works. Here's one. Mild disposition. Pleasantness, tenderness, and concern for others. You know, there's times that we all have kindness. But the times I want all of you to think about are the times we don't. There's times we just don't. We need to find out why. And it's different for everybody in here. But it happens to all of us. And I'll tell you something about this. When we aren't doing these, what do you call it when we don't follow God's work? Sin. The man in the back. You're absolutely right. And so, would you say that we're sinners by nature? Every single one of us. Just because you weren't a murderer, or you weren't a bank robber, or a rapist, 
doesn't mean you're not a sinner. We sin every single day. None of us are perfect. We will always sin. It's only through the Word of God poured into our hearts that we can take control of who we are and how we act. And only through the Word of God can we strengthen those moments when we're up against the wall and we really, really, really need to change. Ephesians 2, 6-8 And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. This is a gift from God. Can you even imagine a greater kindness that's been given to all of us. That's available to all of us than Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of all of our sins, not by what we do, but by the love of God because He wants to fellowship with us and He wants to be part of us. Here's, here's another one. <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody's ever had a problem with this one. Humility. A modest or low view of one's own importance. Humbleness. Humility is a quality of being humble, modest, not proud, doing something out of the goodness of the heart, not for yourself. Self-abasing. You know, how many of us truly have humility? I mean, isn't it kind of hard, even if you're one of the most humble guys around, when you're an American, isn't it kind of hard being humble? I mean, God, we, you know, we are some of the most fortunate people, some of the most blessed people on this earth. And have you noticed a theme running through here? We need to put ourselves where? Well, imagine I threw a couple more verses of poems in here. <laughs> This is from the eye of the storm. Does there seem a central theme to the storm of misery? How much of our anger and suffering comes from I and me? We need to remove the I and me from the center of the storm. We need to replace it with His love and make this our new norm. Now, I, I tell you what. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about every negative thought that you have. And I want you to attach a statement to that thought. And I'll bet you 99.9% .9 contain one of those two little words, I and me. Why do you think the Lord tells us to put ourselves last? Oh, I, I can't believe what He did. Oh, He, he really he hurt me. He said this, He said that. Guess what? Anything that takes God's love from us is not right. We need to put ourselves last. We need to get out of the way. Okay? Uh, how many times... You're going to have to answer, but you can. How many times do you know what someone else is thinking? You just know. 
You can look at their face. You can see their body language. I know what they're thinking. And what is it usually that they're thinking? It's, it's about you. And it, is, it, is it something nice usually? No. It's usually the worst possible thing you can imagine, and that's where you start. Okay? And by the time you've convinced yourself that you're the amazing Christian, guess what? They are they, they are somebody you don't even want to talk to. You don't even want to have anything to do with. You know what we need to do every single time? We have to ask ourselves, are we the amazing Christian? Do we really know what somebody's thinking? When somebody's bad, body language is bad, what do we need to do? We need to put on our love of Christ. And we need to find out why that body language is bad. If it's you, approach Him in love. That's how Christians need to be. That's You know, there was a song. And uh, it was from um, DC Talk. And said, what an unbelieving world finds totally unbelievable as Christians can profess being Christians and walk out in sin in the world. And I'm sure I got that verse backwards because I didn't write it down. But think about that. What, you know, actions speak louder than words. I wore this shirt for a reason. And I, I like wearing Christian clothes now because it makes me stop and think when I'm out doing something, when I'm out talking to people, we all need to stop and think about it. Because for the people who don't know Christ, the people we're supposed to be bringing here, the people we want to get on board our heart, you know how they're going to know Christ? Through who? That's right. They're going to know it through us. What are they going to know about Christ? What are they going to know? You know? Um... They can know you're humble. They can know you're kind. Here's nothing. Gentleness. How about that? Mild in temperament or behavior. Kind or tender. Soft and mild. Not harsh or stern or severe. Having or showing a kindly or tender nature. The gentle touch of her hand. Her gentle manner was comforting. A gentle, sensitive nature. How many of us are gentle when we deal with people and things and situations in our lives? How many of us, we do it sometimes. But we need to keep these things in our mind. We need to clothe ourselves in the Word because the Word will tell us exactly what we need to do in those situations. Philippians 4, 4-6 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, who should we let our gentleness be evident to? Everyone. That's right. We need to figure out how to do that. You know, and it's it's great to come here. I get filled up, but we all go to work. We all have pressures that bear down on us. And 
Those are the times when we are in the world that we need to put on our best. Let's see. What do we have next? The anticipation is just chilling, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to let y'all guess this one. Something a doctor would go broke without. Hey, God, we got a live crowd tonight. Okay. You're absolutely right. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. That's easy, isn't it? You might want to read that one again. <laughs> and I've even got further definition. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Patience is the state of endurance under difficult circumstances, which can mean preserving, uh, perse pardon me, persevering in the face of delay or provocation without acting on annoyance, anger in a negative way, or exhibiting forbearance when under strain, especially when faced with long-term difficulties. Now, how many of you out there either have a person or a situation or a combination of two or three or four that present a real obstacle to patients? How do we deal with those? Let's see, back here on page one, what is it? Love your enemies. Okay. I mean, you know, look, it can make you pull your hair out. <laughs> It just drives you nuts. You know, uh, but Ephesians 4.15 said, instead of speaking the truth in love, instead, pardon me, instead of speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. Okay. How many of you believe truth is important? How many believe truth is important without love? Is there really a place for it? We can be truthful. That dress makes you look like a cow. That's true. We all have those little truths, don't we? I'm just being honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, truth and love. I, I I tell you what, my lovely bride knows. I got a guy in Dallas that that I'm kind of a manager over. That if if I answer the phone, I'm looking at 20 minutes if I'm lucky. And. What would normally take about 30 seconds, he can usually stretch into about 20 minutes. Now, if we get into the minute and a half type conversations, uh, but I tell you what, God uses it. He uses it. He does. You, you got to smile. You know what I tell our customer service people? Let's put a smile on your voice. You got to smile. You don't think when you pick up the phone that people know where your heart is? 
They just because you're hiding back there, nobody can see you. Oh, what you want? Yeah, we'll be there. Yeah, I got love in my heart. Can't you tell? I'm just a redneck. Colossians 1, 10 through 12 says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, how many how many good works is it was saying we should bear fruit in? Every. It wasn't two or three. Let me read that again. Growing in the knowledge of God. Now, how in the world do we know grow in the knowledge of God? That's right. Right here. This is how we grow in the knowledge of God. Right here. And I tell you what, until I came to this church, and even after I started here, I was not growing in the knowledge of God. And I had been inspired by God with the help of my pastor to take this word into my heart, to read this word. And I've, I've had a really hard time reading uh, through my life. I can, I, I can usually get about a half a page before my head hits the book, but I'm, I'm getting better. I know I've, I've talked to uh, Mike. Is <laughs> it helping me out too? He said he used to have the same problem. You know what? There's a word for that. It's called, well, I'm getting to that word here. Hang on. Hold on. Be patient. Everybody be patient. Okay, just checking. Being, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Endurance and patience. It's not just enough to be patient. We have to endure. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the inheritance of its holy people in the kingdom of light. We're chosen. We have an opportunity to spend an eternity in heaven. But all we have to do, we have to endure until the end. Is there going to be some suffering involved in that? Oh yeah. i tell you what, I'll tell you a little story about patience. Kind of short. I started learning about patience when I got cancer. I had six weeks of head and neck radiation. My buddy Jimmy in the back back there watched me go through it. My lovely bride. This is my mom. My mom too. My mom is with the Lord. Hi mom. And this is mom too. Everybody. My sis. My son. Oh my son. And my lovely bride. Watch me go through this. That's right. And... After about two weeks, you lose your taste. I promised myself, I said, you know what, I'm going to be a beacon for the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to walk in this place. Because when you're walking around M.B. Anderson, and you see a 16-year-old kid without a nose, and you see some of the people that are down there, I had two different kinds of cancer. I was blessed. So I'm going to be alike. So I started kidding around. He said, yeah, I'm down to two flavors. Some of you heard this. I said, I got cardboard excrement. So I prefer cardboard. And patience is waiting for your taste to come back. And it doesn't come back right away. It took months. And I would go to lunch with my lovely bride, and I'd sit there, and I'd watch everybody eat. And I'd remember, gee, I remember what that was like. But you know what? There was a time in my life I worshipped food. I was 278 pounds. And 
cancer probably saved my life. Jimmy remembers when I was that big. So does my lovely bride. And so does Jay. And so does my sis. Let's see. I'm going to start referring to them as a group to save time. <laughs> but, you know, God is going to find our strongholds that are not of His kingdom. He's going to change them. And He's going to humble us. And we need to endure with patience through that. Here's another one. This is, this is an easy one for everybody. Yeah, this, that's, a, that's an easy one, isn't it? Stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. Cancel a debt. Forgiveness is typically defined as a process of concluding resentment, indignation, or anger as a result of a perceived offense, difference, or mistake, and or ceasing to demand punishment or restitution. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little something. Um, I'm sure you probably would be totally amazed if I told you I worked another verse of the poem here called To Forgive is to Forget. And this verse says, no matter how much we think we repay others for their sin, the only thing it does is to find the prison that we're in. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about every single person that you can't forgive. Okay? I want every single offense that you can't forgive. And I want you to think about the weight and the that it bears on you. I want you to think about the enemy with his hand in your pocket. He's stealing from you. Let it go. Let it go. We, you know, families. There's, there's people. I, there's a, uh, an elderly lady, and because she had cancer, and her husband stayed home with her on Christmas, and her husband passed away, and that was this last Christmas. Her daughter now is mad at her and won't speak to her because she didn't get to have dinner with her dad on the last Christmas of his life. Gee, that makes sense. So what's she going to do when she wakes up and her mom's gone too? We got to forgive people. We got to let it go. Here's here's what Matthew six fourteen and fifteen says: For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I tell you what, if for no other reason, that's a real good reason. Because even if we're Christians, even if we're saved, even if we claim Christ, guess what? If we're not out there forgiven, it's going to be kind of hard to be compassionate when we're forgiven, kind, patient. No, we need to forgive. We need to let it go. Now, here's that was part of the group. Colossians three fourteen says, "In over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity." All those things I just talked about, what binds them together? Love. 
Dollar Penitentiary. Love that. Um, now, I did learn something about this, what's alike between Google and God. It's the first two letters. Because I looked up love on Google, and this is what I got back. Love. An intense feeling of deep affection. Babies fill parents with intense feelings of love. Those things too. And their love for their country. A deep romantic or sexual attachment to someone. Oops. It was love at first sight. Hey, don't laugh. It was love at first sight. They were both in love with her. Uh-oh. Seems like trouble. We were slowly falling in love. Well, that's what you should do according to the Lord. A personified figure of love often presented as Cupid. <laughs> a great interest and pleasure in something. His love of football. Oh yeah, boy, there's a godly love for you. Um, we share a love of music. Well, that's me. We got that one going for us. Affectionate greetings can fade to someone on one's behalf. Oh, that's nice. A formula for ending an affectionate letter. Take care. Lots of love. Judy. A person or thing that one loves. She was the love of his life. Their two great loves are, guess what? Tobacco and whiskey. Yeah. Here we go for Google. A friendly form of address. It's all right, love. Used to express affectionate approval for someone. Don't fret. There's the love. And in tennis, squash, and some other sports, a score of zero, nil, love 15, he was down two sets to love, or all of these definitions when it comes to the biblical term of love. Love, zero. Okay. You know how I knew that God anointed what I had to say tonight? Because this young lady right here read from my script, from my briefcase. You didn't know she's a superhero, did you? She has that x-ray vision. First Corinthians 13, 4-7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. What was that word again? Always. That's right. And you wonder why we're sinners, huh? That's a tough word to live up to. But I tell you what, unless we're thinking about it, unless we start acknowledging these things in our lives, unless we assign emotions to the problems that we have and we catch ourselves sinning, and then we apply the Word and we change, are we really being fruitful to the Lord? What's a guy at the office who doesn't know Christ? What's he going to What's he going to think by your actions? You know, John thirteen thirty five. 
By this, everyone will know you that you are my disciples if you what? That's how they're going to know. It's the only way they're going to know. You know, are are you the faithful farmer? Can you really tell? Sitting on the sofa, reading that word, praising the Lord. Hey, buddy. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, love me up some people out there. I'm busy. No. No. It's what we do out there. We're just practicing here. Okay? Now, I started something when I was... uh, uh, sports guy long before I was I had a relationship with God too I always used to to joke I called him the big guy I actually heard something on the radio today in a, in a message where it was talking about guys that think they're Christians and they're talking to God like he's a, a good buddy and and I always said you know Lord I'm, I'm not on the narrow path but I'm over here in the weeds but I can see it and thank God I'm finally on it but when I would go to ball games, it was just in my heart to do something fun. And I want y'all to practice this this week. Okay? I call it smile fishing. I didn't used to call it that, but I had to call it something, so I call it smile fishing. And all you do is smile at somebody. And I don't mean just go. I mean look at that person and smile at them. See what you catch. I'm serious. Imagine walking in and this guy has got the attack from the enemy. He's having the worst day of his life. And all of a sudden, you look at him and you smile. You know? Smile fishing. I'd like to know how everybody does. Y'all going to bring your catch? Hey, maybe you can catch a picture with your phone. Romans 12.2 says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your what? That's right. And how do we do that? Amen. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. That's where we need to be. Second Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What was but that reference? That Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16 And when we have the Word, just like Brother Steve had that sword in his hand, when we have that Word, that's when we will be able to do these things. But only then. Psalm 48, I desire to do Your will, my God. Your law is where? It's in your heart. Okay? It's not what we do on the outside. What we do in here. We have to put His Word in our heart if we're really going to have fruit for the Lord. It's how we treat other people. Now, here's another poem. Imagine that. Shortest one ever wrote. Hey, y'all got lucky tonight. Amen. 
called Be God Speaking. And uh, by the way, I'm Beetlejuice. <laughs> that could be a Beetlejuice character I've been in a portrait. Be God Speaking. God illuminates the world to help us find our way. God's gift of truth and love are like the light of day. The devil brings the night where doubt and fear abide. He blacks out truth and love and gives sin a place to hide. God, through His love and grace, has allowed each of us to choose to hide in sin and darkness or to be a beacon God can use. Do your desires of the flesh hide God's precious light? Are you feeling lost and alone and hidden from God's sight? God's love and comfort await you. Take His word into your heart. When you embrace His Son, Jesus, you can get a brand new start. God said, let the light shine out of darkness. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. As you accept Jesus as your Savior, your new life will be unfurled. Our salvation is assured. In the devil's kingdom, we will weaken as we walk with Jesus daily and we choose to be God's beacon. Amen. I want to leave you with some scriptures. Matthew 5, 14 through 15. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Okay? We're a light. And we can't hide under a bowl in the world. People are going to see us. And we're, we're either a good light or a bad light. We need to be God speaking. Ephesians 3, 16-19. And this is a prayer I pray for all of us as Paul prayed for the Ephesians. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. And I want you to really think about that for a second. How wide is God's love? How long is God's love? How high is it? How deep is it? It's infinite. It's all encompassing. And we Psalm 19, 7 through 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. How many of you in here are simple? I'm simple. Sometimes. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And I tell you what, you want to know what your reward is for doing this? You will have a peace and a joy inside of you 
and the world just doesn't know. It's undescribable. That no matter what comes against you, you'll be victorious.